0: Welcome to a talk from Saint Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you.
1: We're going to read together from uh, Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, selected verses. I'm going I'm sure Elaine's suddenly going to make it spring up on the screen. If not, can somebody tell me what page it is in the in the church Bibles? Getting old now, you see, I have to have it slightly enlarged so I don't lose my place. 1175 in the church bibles. Unity and maturity in the body of Christ. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Reading verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. What do you think it's like to work for royalty? It's a question I asked myself yesterday, and because we have a wonderful worldwide web now, I can find out and I'm gonna share that with you now. Thank you, Elaine.
0: What's my everyday? Well, it's not what you might think. It's social media strategists, pastry chefs and accountants, surveyors and sales assistants, all sharing in one unique purpose. It's being part of a team where everyone matters and everyone contributes where rich heritage and new ideas sit side by side. It's where history is made and where careers are started. It's a place to reach your peak and you'll bring the drive to go beyond it. It's setting your mind to goals you never thought you'd reach and finding the support to uncover talents you didn't know you had. It's moments of delight, of learning, of challenge. It's the inspiration that drives us forward and the instant you find to take it all in. Because at the end of the day, At the end of every day, it's the work, the people, the purpose, the pride. It's the everyday made exceptional. Make it yours.
1: So that's the advertising blurb for the royal household. If you fancy going and working for the queen at one of the palaces, that's what you're promised. It's exciting. And I actually think it's quite like working in church. It's very like serving in the church. Because we are working in a royal household. If you worked in a big house in the old days, this is what the structure might have looked like. So this was just one part of it. Uh, The master of the household was up the top. And then you had all these layers, the deputy master of the household, the assistant to the master, bracket services, the palace steward, the senior page or sergeant footman, the deputy sergeant footman, the queen's footman, the senior footman, and the junior footman, brackets, trainee butler. And that was just one bit of the household. If you want to go and work in the royal household, this is what the assessment process is like. First of all, you've got to write an application form. Nothing unusual there. And then you will have a telephone interview before you even make it into the palace. If you get through the phone interview, you are invited to attend a selection day. And this is just for a junior role. This isn't for a top role, this is for the junior role. This is your getting in, your 18-year-old first job. On your selection day, first of all, you have individual tasks that you have to complete, and you were observed all the time you were doing that. Then you get a break. You get to experience what it's like to go for a break. And you hear from somebody who's just started, still in their first three months, telling you what it's like. Then you get an individual interview. Then you get to hear from an experienced post holder. And we've got to midday. After lunch, which is provided for you and cooked by the sa- in the same kitchen as the Queen's lunch will have been cooked, you will be told whether you are going on into the afternoon selection or not. If you're successful, you get a palace tour and then you get a panel interview. And then you have to wait. Wait to hear whether you've got a place. Wait until you're ready, whether you're going to be part of that household. Being part of the royal household is a way of life. It's not a nine-to-five job with the holidays and go where you please. You might have to live in. You might have to travel between the different palaces. Your life is dedicated to someone who dedicated her life to our service. On her 21st birthday, in her radio broadcast, this is what the then-Princess Elizabeth said. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. But I shall not have strength to carry out this resolution alone unless you join in it with me, as I now invite you to do. I know that your support will be unfailingly given. God help me to make good my vow, and God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. She was the queen, and at 91 she still serves us. She's still a figurehead. She still does tasks which only she can do. But she repeatedly says when people say to her, are you going to abdicate? No, I promised I would serve and I will serve for life. She meets people, she inspires them. She draws people together. She builds the country. She serves as a focus. And in her broadcasts, increasingly, she talks of her faith and the one who she serves as well as serving us. She's developed her family firm. She delegates tasks to them. But there's still things that just she can do. I was brought up in a climate of service. Both my parents were from service backgrounds. Their parents and their parents before them and their parents, and ten generations have we gone back with my dad, were all gardeners in the big house. They lived their lives to serve the person they're working for. My mum's family were all handymen. But my dad, born in 1917, saw service, national service, in the World War, in Second World War, and came back into a country that was changed by that war. The way things were were structured were no longer the same, and he went from being in service to having his own business, to being self-employed. He retired, he semi-retired, at the age of 65, when I was just 14. And he finally retired at the age of 80, when he sold his shop, he closed it down. But that didn't stop him serving. He was still going to visit his customers, winding their clocks, looking after their watches, till the time he was taken into a care home at the age of 94. My dad had a rigorous routine. He got up at 7, had breakfast, wound all the clocks he had in the shop, opened the shop at 8.30. Everything was done with great precision. Everything had its place. Everything was cleaned and looked after. Things were mended if they broke. As a child, I was allowed to sit in his workshop and watch him work. And when the bell rang and he went to the front to to serve his customers, I was allowed to stand beside him and watch him as he worked. I was allowed to operate the adding machine that served as his till. I saw how he interacted with customers. Always with respect, always polite, always with care. He did everything he could to help. And if the work was below standard, if he couldn't guarantee it, he wouldn't charge them. And if they wanted something small like a pin for a watch strap or a winder top, he's not going to charge them. Just put money in the charity box, he said. He went beyond having his customers come to him. Sunday afternoons, we would go for a drive. I hated it. I was told, be grateful we've got a car. Not everybody can go for a drive on a Sunday afternoon. But what it often meant was that we would go to one of his customers' houses. And my mum my brother and I would sit outside, she with her knitting, me with my book, and sit patiently while he went in to look after one of their large clocks. Our reward? A sweet from the sweet shop on the way home. Just the one. When he stopped driving, his customer visits were performed on bicycle or by foot until his mind could no longer help him remember where his customers lived. He visited them every week His reward wasn't great financially. Probably didn't charge them. Neither did he socialize with them. They didn't come to his funeral, but he contributed to their view of service. Quiet, understated, giving. The convenience of the customer. My mum was the same. She didn't go out to work much when we were growing up. But she was always there at the school PTA, the guides, the cubs. She was the one serving the tea, getting on with it. I never heard either of them moan, and they never really asked us to help either. Only at Christmas, when we had to carry all the food upstairs from the kitchen that was downstairs. That and changing our bids weekly was all they asked for us as children. They were unstinting in their service of us and others. They gave and asked for nothing back. As I started work, my attitude to service was honed by the companies I worked for. Working in retail and in banking in the 1980s, the customer... Giving service to them was recognized as the way your business was going to survive. Customer service was the thing that mattered, and the customer was always right. Every shop wanted to have customer service like Marks and Spencers. They were at the pinnacle. We had weeks of training. We had to have the shortest queues. We had to smile and engage with the customer, and we would never ever have a conversation with the person on the till next to us when there was a customer there. When we were in banking, service level agreements were the name of the day. Answer your phone within three rings, get back to that email within half an hour. We were measured in our appraisals by our response time. And in the real shift, we began to think of our colleagues as customers, to think about what they needed from us to do their work, and to have service levels for replying to them too. Because as we worked together, the whole organization was successful. In the last 20 years, we've seen the rise of the postmodern society a shift away from the organization, the corporate, to the cult of the individual. We're encouraged to think of ourselves first, because we're told if we don't look after ourselves, no one else will. Women's lib pushed men down. Assertiveness training was the matter of the day. Counselors, encourage us: stand up for yourselves. Stop being walked over. Take time for you, for leisure, holidays. It's all about me. The church, too, has gone away from the corporate to the individual. The newer expressions of church avoid the liturgy of previous decades songs are often worded about i instead of we people are encouraged to discover their spiritual gifts and know who they are to ha- to ensure they have enough time for themselves we discourage people from being here all the time we accept that they won't be we encourage the i at the expense of the we But this is directly against what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. His emphasis was how they should work together in pursuit of maturity in faith. Unity and growth was what he was expecting. We are called to be his mature body, not the selfish child that takes all the sweets for themselves but the mature servants who share with others before they eat themselves. Jesus gave in so many ways. He gave up that place with his father to come to earth, to be with us, who weren't nice all the time, who demanded of him. He came as a servant king and gave himself unreservedly. He didn't think for himself. Only once did he say to his father, please, do I have to do this? And when the answer was still yes, off he went. And he went up that hill to that cross And whilst he was there on that cross, he was still thinking of everybody else. Look after my mother. Mother, this is your son. And to the thief on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. He is our model. No one else. No selfish ambition. No desire for the easy life. To focus on him is what we're called to do. And it means sacrifices. And it means hard work. But with that comes great privilege and great rewards. The privilege of being in this church and seeing lives radically transformed of seeing our gifts taken and multiplied and used and having results that we never thought they would. As we use our gifts, as we serve others according to our gifting, we are energized. We are made mature. We are uplifted. The gifts in this passage specifically for growing the church, for making it function well. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are all gifted to prepare the church for service, to have a unity of message, to be together, to grow numerically and spiritually. What's our vision? Radically. Thank you. That's our vision. It's not the members of the staff who were significantly louder than everybody else. Wasn't Ron's vision. It's the church's vision. And that's not the building. That's the people. Unity in vision is what this passage talks about. Coming together together not doing it on our own. In this passage, there are two things. To keep that unity front and center and to keep Christ front and center. And that's what we need to do. In our vision, we have those two parts. Keeping transformation front and center but recognizing it's through the power of Jesus. The only way any of this can happen is if we work together. If we take those little baby gifts that we think we've got and grow them. If we work together... So my title today is that it's about we and not I. I am gifted as a teacher, I believe. But a teacher is no good without students. And a teacher is no good if she doesn't know when the right time to teach is. Somebody said to me the other day, would you stop teaching me? I have to learn the right time, I have to learn the right way and sometimes that means doing things that I don't want to do in ways I don't want to do it. When people come to me at work they're sent to me by their team leaders, generally when they don't know what to do with their lives. Go and see Julie, she will sort you out, is sort of the thing. I always worry. And I say to them, what is your passion? What do you love to do? Because at the heart of our passion is what God has often gifted us to do. I often say to them, what did you play when you were a child? Anybody guess what I played when I was a child? Teacher. Yeah, school. I had all my teddy bears lined up. I had my blackboard. I had my register. But it took me years to get to the place where that... I didn't know it was a dream then. I just loved going to school and... Hadn't got any friends to play with, so teddy bears were very compliant. But God knew. God knew that years later, that dream would become a reality and it would build the church up. What is in you that God has placed there? Not for you, but for everybody else. For the church that's here now, and for the church as it's going to be in the future are you listening to him that picture that ron had is he saying to you i want you to go and do this and you're ignoring him are you scared Are you thinking, I'm a mum at the minute, and I've just got to cope with that. I've got family. I've just got to cope with that. How much are you looking to him? Understanding what he wants you to do. Maybe you don't know what it is. Please don't do nothing until you decide. Because some of you aren't going to know what it is until you actually do something. Sometimes you only know what you're good at by stepping out and trying something. How do you know if you've got a pastoral heart if you avoid speaking to people? How do you discover you can pray for others for healing if you never pray out loud? How can people know what you can do if you're doing it quietly on your own, squirrelling away? If you aren't sharing your stories, it's not about bragging. It's about sharing a body's success. Isn't it exciting hearing when we talk, we hear about what people do with the 10 pounds that Ron gave us. I'm energized by the ideas that we hear, come back. Somebody's done something successful. We've all got a part to play. But what is yours? As we take time to respond, you've all got a picture. And I know it's pixelated, but my printer was being very awkward, so you're lucky to have anything at all. (laughs) And it is just a reminder, because the bigger picture is on the table at the front here. It is a jigsaw puzzle, and you're never gonna find Wally on that picture, Jenny, no matter how much you look, it's far too pixelated. The puzzle is here. I've made it a bit easier for you, otherwise we might be here all night. I'm gonna invite you to come and pick up a piece that I've taken out strategically and just place it back in the puzzle, recognizing that you have a part to play. And I've given you the pictures to take home as a reminder because a Where's Wally Jigsaw or a book is no good if you can't find Wally. If Wally stayed at home that day, it isn't going to work. And the church is not going to work unless you come and put your part in. So come and put a piece in the jigsaw puzzle as your commitment to coming and doing something. And as you leave, there's some funny shaped pictures, pieces, which come out of another jigsaw puzzle. And again, they're not brilliant, because my craft is not good. I definitely need help in this area. And I wasn't far enough thinking ahead to get Abby on the case, because she's much better at it than me. But take a puzzle piece. And maybe if you can't put a piece in here, but you want to understand what your part is, just come and take a piece. And understand and commit to thinking, what is my part? What is God calling me to do? To move away from thinking about me and thinking about how do I do this. We work for a king. We don't work for Ron. We work for a king. We are members of a royal household. And if any one of those people we saw in that video of the queens wasn't there, something goes wrong. We all need to serve. Work out what you need to do today.
0: For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviourssonbury.org.uk.